0: Team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere.
1: I'm Anthony Kasterman. I am joined by the fantastic Scott Merkin. Merk, good New yeah. Year, everybody. Uh, I know everybody out there in, in podcast land uh, wants to know a. Uh, how, how your New Year's went? Uh, where, did you get wild and crazy on the streets of Chicago? And B, do you have any New Year's resolutions for 2016?
2: My uh, my New Year was pretty low key. I got wild and crazy on just one street in Chicago, and just for a, a short amount of time. So you know, okay. I'm not as young as I used to be. It's got to be a little more relaxed and that kind of thing. New Year's is kind of yeah. It's kind of like uh, Halloween and Valentine's Day and that kind of thing. I don't want to say for the amateurs, but. You know, I have to go out just because it's a certain day of the year. I'm just I'm right. starting this new year off with uh, nothing but upbeat upbeat thoughts, right? Um, and I really haven't thought about resolutions. I guess since it's the 4th, I probably should come up with a few. Maybe in the next podcast I'll have a few resolutions for you. Well, I know you've got a new TV,
1: so you can probably resolve I to,
2: uh, I, to figure out how to I'll operate know, that. Your first new TV in two decades, that's a big deal, Mark. It was a, the last time I bought a new TV was when Bill Clinton was the president of the United States, the TV that I had taken away, had a back to it still. <laughs> so that was, and no high-def capability. The other TV in my bedroom was like 18 inches. So it was like one of those that you used to see in like people's kitchens. I think I actually swiped it from my parents way back when and because uh, yeah. they didn't need it anymore. So, yeah, and it still worked. God bless that TV. I forgot the maker of that brand, but it still works It still had a good picture. I was kidding. The uh, people took it that I probably should have sold it to like a museum, that it still existed or something. Like that. But, yeah, good. Good new TVs, good purchase to start the new year. Good good college football, basketball, and soon-to-be baseball watching on the uh, on the TV.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, the White Sox have yep. some new additions as well. Uh, they obviously resolved to be a contender in 2016, and that in itself is an interesting development because, frankly, they we went into the offseason not knowing which direction they'd go. Uh, we didn't know if they'd uh, uh, continue to push forward after a, a highly disappointing 15, but to their credit, they have. Uh, a couple of impact trades uh, for Todd Frazier and Brett Loria in particular. Um, but what, as we as we head into the new year, obviously, Merck, this is a team still being associated with some of the uh, top-of-the-market free agents. Where do things stand right now as far as uh, the White Sox next move?
2: Well, I think, first of all, you give credit to Jerry Reinsdorf and Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and the whole front office staff for, you know, even though they – I don't want to say they got burned last offseason because, you know, David Robertson pitched pretty well for them. Melky Cabrera came along, you know, as the season went on. Samar just struggled. Zach Duke was fine out of the bullpen. But, you know, even with the spending they had off season to kind of, you know, speed up the revamping, reshaping process, they still went after it again this year. Now, granted, with guys locked on to longer-term contracts like Cabrera and Roberts and even, you know, $13 million owed to LaRoche, it was going to be kind of hard to go through a wholesale rebuild. But, you know, they're trying to pull off a very high degree of difficulty, and that's developing prospects, staying relatively young, being able to replenish them in their system while adding pieces to contend. Now on to what you asked about the outfielders. You know, from the beginning of the off season, I stayed pretty consistent in writing about, you know, that the contract would have to fit what they wanted. Not they weren't going to get into a bidding war for these free agents. And again, that's not like that's not hubris or that's not, you know, saying they know better than others. It's just the way they're they have structured things, and they're not gonna, you know, if someone comes and says, well. You know, we have an offer on the table for Upton at five years, $120 million. I don't think the stock's going to get, say, come back and say, okay, we'll go six, 125 or something like that. This is going to have to fit what they want to do in the course of their... Being. You know, you really look at it, they have a... I think they're looking at a two- or three-year window at tier contention, and then after that, kind of reevaluate if, it, if they if they don't win with that. You know, you still have the great contracts for Abreu, the great contracts for Sale, the great contract for Quintana, very solid contract for Eaton. Um, you know, you have Frazier under control for a couple of years, so... That's kind of what they're looking at right now. So I think they're in the mix, but the question is, will any of these guys come down, to not come down, but agree to that level? And, you know, as much as people are saying, well, you know, there's no offers out there, that, you know, it, it's, it was a pitcher's market and the free agent outfielders aren't getting an offer. Anthony, you know as well as I do, these markets eventually set themselves, and I, I don't think any of these, I know for a fact, none of these high-end guys, if you look at Gordon, Cespedes, and Upton are panicking. I don't think anyone in their camp is saying, okay, let's take a deal tomorrow because we don't know where it's going to be. These things have a way of working it out, and we'll see if it ends up working out where something fits the white side.
1: Yeah, my only skepticism with the whole three-year thing that's been reported is uh, the free agent class three years from now is, is, a lot of people are talking about it, it looks historically deep. so uh, And granted, it's it's hard to project these kind of things and, and who ends up planning extensions or whatnot, but... Uh, It could be a a tough sell uh, for for the guys, especially on the younger end of the spectrum, to do a three-year deal now and and, uh, go back into those waters in three years. We'll see. But the other other point that must be made is just there's there's more outfielders than teams associated with those outfielders. So something's got to give. Somebody's price has got to come down or or there's got to be some uh, surprise suitor in the mix or or something. But obviously this logjam has got to clear in the next couple weeks, you would think. Or I, I, I,
2: I saw Bob Nightingale on uh, MLB Network today, and he talked about maybe one of them would take a one-year deal. And then because of the fact that you said, like, three years from now, the market is huge, I think right. the next two years it's not it's not very great. So exactly. maybe a one- or two-year deal. But, you know, the, the the thing is about these guys is, you know, look at what happened with Jeff Samargin. Now, granted, Jeff Samargin may be a good and a bad example. He, <laughs> you know, took a flyer on himself last year, didn't have a great year, but still got five years, $90 million. So I guess you can look at it both ways that, You can go for that one year and say, you know, I'll even build up even more and then hit, you know, really kill it next year in the market. Or you could have an off year and and drop yourself a little bit. But it seems like good players are going to get the money they deserve. And that's why I think it's, you know, as much as I respect Bob, I think it's hard to see a guy taking a one-year deal. Maybe I'll be surprised by him. Well, I'll be surprised. But I I still think these guys are going to get the deal they want. But if someone else told me, you know, you can want all you want. You can want the six-year $125 million deal. But if no one's offering that, you have to adjust your sights a little bit, obviously.
1: Absolutely. Uh, beyond the outfield, uh, it's still somewhat unsettled at shortstop. Obviously, the the uh, White Sox could go with uh, Saladino or Sanchez at short, uh, but there's still
2: a possibility of Alexei Ramirez coming back. Is there not? Yeah, I think there is. I think you know there's a good relationship between the White Sox and uh, Alexei Ramirez. I think people kind of read into it a little bit in the uh, Cuba goodwill trip that Alexei wore a White Sox jersey. I don't think that. Not anything one way or the other except that was the team that he's played for his entire career, and that's what he's associated with. But, yeah, I think, you know, Alexei came around in the second half last year. I think Alexei again, if you're looking at, like, <clears throat> excuse me, a two-year window, a three-year window, even a two-year window, if you think Tim Anderson is going to be ready at some point in 17, then, you know, I, I think it makes sense for a low average annual value there to sign him. But I also think that you can look in other areas. And, you know, if they don't get one of these three – big outfielders and big tickets as they're talking about I still think they're going to look at the outfield market and see what they can add on there yeah. but you may be able to allocate funds in other areas and they're very confident in tower Saladino I think it's a question of the lineup around him They're question they're confident about his defensively about the energy he brings I think it's just you know him holding up over a full year offensively and just overall over a full year but you know they have kind of, I don't think that's their top priority but I think Alexi still is somewhat in the mix if not at the forefront.
1: Well, not that this would uh, be a factor to rule out Cespedes or Upton uh, because, you know, if the price is right on either guy, you go for it. Um, but does the Todd Frazier acquisition just further hammer home if they are going to make another addition that, you know, preferably it be from the left-hand side?
2: You know, I... I know everyone goes by that theory that, you know, it kinda of, everything adds up one to the other. You have, like I've said already on this podcast and other articles I've written, you have these great contracts, you have the prime years and these guys. Not that like when sales done with this contract at whatever age he'll be twenty nine that he's done, you know. It's not like you have to win in that period of time. But I mean then he'll, you know, most likely be a free agent and see what the market holds. He may get a fifty million dollar a year contract at that point. Just just uh just throwing it out there. But I, I think yeah, if you add those guys to improve the offense, I don't think you have to. But I think you're certainly entertaining that idea. I don't think you're forcing a square peg into a round hole. And I don't mean that these guys wouldn't fit; all, they'd all be great fits. Upton, Cespedes, and uh, Gordon would all, you know, certainly take this team to another level. But I don't think you're going to go out of control to get these guys. You know, I, I think left-handed bat makes sense, and Gordon's a great defensive player. But Upton and Cespedes are both solid. Defensive players as well. And the, the big thing about Giannis is that he doesn't have a draft pick attached to him. And they're really, from what I've talked to you, know, they, they, they're willing to give up the pick they got for Samarja. But if possible, they want to keep those top three picks in the first 50. So that's why I think you know Cespedes is, uh, has, has been kind of pushed to the forefront a little more. But I don't want yeah. upside. I know they like Upton, too. I, I think anything is possible. They're looking at all of them. They're trying to add someone without a doubt. This is not just talk. But they're trying to add it, you know, in a terms that works for them as well as the team as well as the player. Well,
1: if nothing else, the White Sox have given us a lot to talk about
2: uh, the last two winters. They usually do. And, uh, they usually do. <laughs> they
1: do. Uh, and Scott Merkin has been all over it, so continue to check out his work. I want to thank him for joining us, and uh, thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extra, Chicago White Sox edition.